0: The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host... Jim My next guest, Fred Myers, started his career as a 22-year-old promotions man with Warner Brothers Records, immediately helping to establish Van Halen at radio stations and on the record charts. Fred was there during the band's debut album and at their first round of radio station interviews, and he had a chance to see the genius of the late Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing up close and personal. I've got Fred on the line right now from his home in Austin, Texas. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm great, Fred. Welcome, and, and thanks for joining me. And and uh, like everyone else, I'm sure that uh, Eddie Van Halen's uh, demise hit you hard. You
1: know, Jim, actually, it all starts to kind of come up uh, as a, kind of an emotional because, you know, these type of things, uh, you know, we lost Glenn Frey. We lost David Bowie. We lost Tom Petty. I mean, this is not going to be uncommon anymore um unfortunately and what's amazing about that band was that we were all the same age so it makes me feel like my runway is a little shorter than it used to be.
0: Yeah, you start to feel not so immortal anymore. Fred, your connection to Van Halen is that you were working at Warner Brothers Records and your first assignment, Little Did You Know, would be this one that would play such a huge role in the future and that is to promote Van Halen's 1978 debut album.
1: It is huge and then if you really look at the era disco was kind of waning there was this new thing called punk which at warner's we did have the ramones the sex pistols and you know even though talking heads weren't punk or u2 we had all those bands yeah but but america didn't have any really great rock um you know it was all kind of coming like acdc was out of australia and then like foreigner was half american half british but you know and then a lot of british bands but i think Van Halen and their sound was straight rock and roll. It was very digestible rock and roll. It was very innovative. And quite frankly, Eruption was a, a, was Eddie you know, noodling on his guitar in the studio. And what, because those brothers, and that's another thing that's been hitting, me, Alex and Eddie were so tight. I mean, my heart is just breaking for Alex
0: because yeah. they
1: were so tight. And they would work a lot of songs out together. It was Eddie on guitar and, and, and um, Alex on drums. And even, you, even if you listen to Eruption, there's just a little bit of drums. Just enough to get Eddie to launch. And that's how they work together. He, Alex obviously knew how to get Eddie to just launch or how to come back from a, from a, a crazy guitar solo. And that's the magic that happens when two musicians are connected.
0: Yeah, so I mean, your your strategy for selling Van Halen, and by the way, this is back in the days when radio stations—you would go and wine and dine the program director and the music director uh, to get that song into their rotation. And like you say, there were there was a lot of other things happening. Uh, you know, disco was still in the charts at that point. So, what was your strategy for selling them to those initial stations? And did they did they like what they were hearing?
1: That is such a great question. Thank you. Because here's what happened. You're absolutely right. Radio was the only source for new music. Outside of that, you'd have to read about an article in the Rolling Stone or Cream magazine or whomever. So what Warner Brothers did is our main uh, boss, Russ Dyrett, told every promotion person, and there were 23 strategically placed around the country, pack your bags. You're leaving on a Monday, and you're coming home on a Sunday, and you're going to take Van Halen's debut album to every single rock and roll radio station in your territory, in person. And then we made up what's now a very big collector's item. It was a red EP, which had five tracks, Jamie's Crying, Running with the Devil, Eruption, You Really Got Me. And it actually was rushed release, so it it had the Looney Tunes logo on one side, and it had the original Van Halen logo before they (laughs) adapted the V. Right. And we took it out to radio, and we gave it to you. You know, you're in the control room, and we gave it to you, and you'd set your needle on it. And when you came out of a commercial break, you'd play Eruption, which would go to You Really Got Me. And everyone was like blown away. I mean, it was, it, it was, and I still get blown away when I hear Eruption. I mean, how can you not?
0: Yeah, I mean, even before Eddie's passing, people still comment about Eruption all the time. I know one thing that I was in college at the time that this album was released, and I remember how often it was played at parties on campus, and it was almost like it played a part in Disco's Demise, don't you think?
1: I do, and here's another thing that I think was wonderful. The band really knew that the rock and roll radio stations that embraced them in the beginning were, were somebody that they became loyal to. So they were the, one of the only bands that I remember still taking the radio to do live interviews on their third album. You know, because at that point, when your career's established, you kind of move on. But they didn't because, A, they enjoyed it, and B, they really got radio, especially David Lee Roth. Right. I wish our interview was longer. <laughs> so many great, crazy stories to tell you, but bottom line is, David was a showman, and um, he really worked it. And he there was times, oh, I wish I could go into the story, but he would panamay songs if there were, audience in the parking lot of a radio station down below. <laughs> I seen them from the studio window by pantomiming a song, and he would bring extra curricular activities like girls or whatever to You're help right. him with his Panama.
0: (laughs) We've had Dave on the show uh, quite a few times and all all I know is you ask him one question and an hour later, I have to tell you that I know that as well as you do and everyone else that Eddie was one of the greatest guitar players ever. And that is because he worked at it all the time, right?
1: Yes, he did. In fact, what I want the listeners to know is that he was very shy and very sensitive um, yeah. That doesn't mean he couldn't hold a conversation and and talk to people, but we would have epic parties after the shows. I mean, they were epic with midgets and fire eaters <laughs> and <laughs> topless dancers and right. and a, a whole array of food and booze and and the amplifying system in the backstage party was would rival the stage. But Eddie would opt out. He would take a six pack of beer. He'd go to his hotel room and he'd work on his guitar. He was so narrowly focused and connected to that instrument. And he wasn't being rude. It's just that at the end of the day, he would much rather be working on his sound, which he always tried to improve and change and grow, which is why it was kind of interesting when they moved to keyboards. It had a lot to do with him and his ear, because all the music would start with Ed, and Alex, a lot of ways. And what people don't know is Alex was kind of the leader of the band in the very beginning.
0: Yeah.
1: And then they bring then they bring Michael in and they would really work on these songs. And then David Lee would add the lyrics or then Sammy would add the lyrics. But it always started with Eddie.
0: And by the way, as they become more and more popular and Eddie meets Valerie Bertinelli, was he sure that this was his future or did he have questions about, hey, am I am I doing the right thing here?
1: Wow. Well, I tell you, we put a two-hour radio show, a Promotion Man radio show together here in Austin. And I gathered four, including myself, four Warner Brother alumni. And one of them spoke about how Eddie had come to his hotel room and actually questioned what he was doing with my friend, Ted Cohen, who was artist development. And he said that in his interview on our show. Um, but was interesting is it paralleled my life because we're all the same age. He yeah. married in 81. I married in 81. I actually named my daughter Lauren Alex, her middle name's Alex. And then her first daughter, she named Halen. So that's how it affected our family because we were very close. Yeah, this gets me really emotional because um, it's still hitting. It's still reverberating with the rock and roll community. And and I'm so happy to share these stories with people that love this band because I think that's what makes our podcast so endearing is they're just really wonderful stories, these bands.
0: Well, Fred's Promotion Man podcast, I guess you drop a new episode every Sunday night. I wish we did have more time, that's for sure. Uh, there's so much more we could talk about, but I send everyone your way. It was great to talk to you. It was nice to, to talk about these stories. Thank you
1: for having me. And um, hey, everybody, I mean, bottom line is listen to Van Halen and Smile because they gave us gifts throughout our lives. I mean, so many of their songs will emulate with what we went through as human beings and that is what it was all about
0: well said fred nice talking to you and good luck
1: thank you bye-bye
0: and I'm not sure Fred actually ever uh, really addressed the Valerie Bertinelli question, but he sure did live a lifetime of fun stories with that band and other bands like U2, Fleetwood Mac, Bob Marley, and more. That finishes up this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. See you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.